Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to All Words Money Matters. Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Glad you are joining us today as we talk about financial matters. Help you make wise choices with your finance. Hopefully have a little more confidence in your financial picture. And a little financial peace. Yeah. Um, here we are at the, we are at the door of the debt limit. Right now. Being breached. I think Congress went home for the weekend. I thought that was actually pretty good. What? The Congress went home for the weekend. Why? What do you mean? <laughs> come on, come on. I thought the whole thing's a bit ironic, this whole discussion. I think, how many times have we increased it? Like 60 sometimes, right? But it was put in for a reason. Congress put this in to keep spending in check. Right? That was the it's, idea. It's kind of like sitting down with your spouse <laughs> and saying, hey, let's make sure that our credit card balances never get beyond this. And then... Well, we they really, we really want to go card. to Disneyland. Let's, so let's push it and push it and push it. Yes. Um, it's, um, it's, it, I was thinking about it this morning. It's such a, poli- it's, it's, it's such a political game. It is 100% uh, political. It's telegraphing how people feel, uh, how the politicians feel about things. It's, um, and the markets react to it, both negative and positively, <laughs> like, bam, bam. It's been, a, all in all, it's a pretty good week for uh, the stock market. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, the markets are thinking, wow, the, the markets are reacting this quickly to something that is, is, everyone knows it's going to be solved at some point in time. That's correct. Nobody has any real – if people were really worried, we would have oh, seen it in the financial market. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, I saw some article about people are selling their short-term treasuries to buy something else. Um, they were buying Microsoft bonds, and I thought, what, 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 what are you talking about? They were talking about they, this, selling government bonds and buying high-quality corporates because they felt there was more safety in like, it. Like, let's assume that uh, no deal gets done. And suddenly we're missing whatever payments that and coming up with some sort of program to how do we continue paying interest or how do we, whatever. Um, and the financial markets react. Congress and the administration can come up with something in, in a matter of an hours. Yes. Right? It's not, <laughs> right. They're not going to sit and watch everything yeah. burn. I mean, they're not worried about, obviously, they're not worried enough about it to actually uh, stay in Washington, D.C. over the weekend to try to hammer something out. No, they're not worried about it. Uh, I saw I saw an interesting article before we take some calls, and we will take some calls today. But this was just a reminder to me. And Pat, if you remember, back in about a decade ago, um, Congress passed a bill to make it easier for small um, companies, for investors to, in, to invest in smaller businesses without having to be accredited investors and without having to go through the normal process they would have to go through. The company. So they, they waived a bunch of the rules around what is, um, what's available to non-accredited investor. And an accredited investor is someone that either has a certain level of income or certain level of net worth and, or can prove that they have a, a education background that would qualify them otherwise if they didn't hit the net worth or the income goals. And what we saw was a lot of these um, like real estate investors raising money to buy commercial property or strip malls or apartment buildings. Even so I'd heard advertisements on the radio. They were, some of these companies were paying um, a talk show hosts to pitch. I always thought it was interesting. These are pretty relatively small investments. Not like they're, making a pitch for Vanguard or Fidelity or Charles Schwab. Like these, no, these like, were, I mean, I listened to one in the gentleman's, one of the commercials I was thinking, he said, we've invested in over $40 million. And I thought, $40 million in a real estate fund is not a lot of money. <laughs> no, it's tiny. But, but if you're an inexperienced investor or didn't know and someone threw out $40 million, you must think, $40 million? So here's where we're starting to see some cracks in this. Um, in, in, in both commercial property as well as in apartments, and probably even more so in apartments. And th- these were designed, these basically an investor would say, hey, we're going to buy this um, 
apartment building and you put in some money and you're going to be a part owner. And they're essentially they're limited, limited partners. So when you become an investor, it's not like, it's not like when you mentioned Microsoft, it's not like you buy a share in Microsoft. And now you're part owner of Microsoft and you can sell the share yeah, at any moment. Yeah. It's traded uh, with here. You're a limited partner. You have, you don't have the same kind of protections you do as when a publicly traded company like a Microsoft of knowing what's going on. Um, you tend to rely upon the person who set it up, which these people are, are called syndicators. Here's what's amazing to me. Real estate syndicators raised over $100 billion from investors in, from 2020 to 2022. That's a lot of money. When interest rates were super low, right? And it's not like the, the majority of these apartment buildings were not financed with 30-year mortgages at fixed rates. Oftentimes, they're... Uh, they're could be interest only or variable rate or what they call balloons. And a balloon is uh, we're going to amortize it over a 15 or 30 year period. So your payment's going to look like, but it's going to reset in three, five or seven years at which point in time you need to refinance it. And when that reset happens, when that reset happens, um, who knows what the cost of money is going to be. We're already seeing some some apartment buildings going into foreclosure, and it's looking like a, the the large part these are these syndicators. They're small time investors that are getting burned on this. And why do they go into foreclosure? Well, if the if they expected the rents to increase, continue to increase by three, five, six, seven percent, and uh, they didn't increase, they stopped. So we've seen a definite you know slowdown or or even a complete stop of increasing the rents and then the cost of money goes up then all of a sudden these deals have negative cash flow and so they have two two choices one is to go back to the original investors and ask for money or the other thing that they could do is just hand the uh the building back to the bank and that's what's happening is the buildings are going back to the banks and so these limited partners and these are these are unbelievably the amount of solicitations that takes place on social media around these. There's a gentleman in the industry, and I can't speak to whether he's a good investor or a bad investor, but his name is Grant Cardone. <laughs> How do you remember the guy's name? Oh, because <laughs> uh, I did some research on him. Um, his name is Grant Cardone, and he shows him flying around in a private jet talking about how much money he makes, and he calls it 10x, like 10 times your money. Not your money. Well, maybe your money. No one really he knows what's going to happen. 10x his money. He's going to do 10x. <laughs> um, and these are real estate syndications. And this is, we're, we're just seeing the, the tip of the and iceberg. So, uh, here. as an example, let's say apartment complex is $100 million. A syndicator will say, I tell you what, we're going to go out and raise $40 million. We're going to finance the rest um, with debt. Or we'll, or we'll raise $30 million, finance the rest with debt. The syndicator typically gets somewhere between 2 and 5% of. The, of the funds that are raised and oftentimes we'll get a, a, a management fee of maybe a couple percent to uh, run or profit participation or the really nasty ones are actually selling their own uh, properties into their own syndications. So they go out and buy an apartment building for $20 million one. or build one. And then they turn around, they do it themselves, right? Then they turn around and they sell it to their syndication at a marked up price. I look, before, when, when you invest in something like this, when you're a limited partner, you need to understand what the risks are and how do you ever get out? Because a lot of investors are, are losing everything in these things. Well, the, not, not, all, not all these syndications are going to blow up. That's right. Right? So there's some that are going to work out just fine. But some will not. But some and some have not. They're folding now. And you re, I'm reading these stories about these people had pretty much all their retirement dollars in this thing, and now it's it's worthless. You know, Scott, I talk to people all the time. But they said they I mean they're being pitched on um I could just read this one story. This this couple invested seventy five grand, which I imagine was probably the majority of the dollars they had, in a seven hundred and six unit apartment complex in Houston. What could go wrong? Uh, the complex was selling for $76 million, and the syndicator told investors with rent increases they can more than double their money in three to five years. So you're going to get rents, you're going to double your money in three to five years, except when you don't, and the syndication blows up, 
and the bank takes the um, and you're out everything. everything everything it's all because of debt if there was no debt on these everyone would be fine oh they'd be able to live through the cycle yeah right and it it's the and frankly the apartment owners that have long term debt fixed rate debt they're they'll, gonna weather this just fine they'll be fine it's the balloon payments. Like it's a interest only for three years or that sort of thing. Or, right? Yeah, a reset or. Or or variable. The rates are totally adjustable. Yes. And now you can't raise the rents high enough to make your interest payments. It's, um, and they open it up to smaller investors. They change the rules. The regulators change the rules to make it more accessible. Which actually. Just, I remember at the time I was talking about this is not going to end well for people. But. You know, people have this affinity for real estate, which I don't quite get. People ask they me forget the about the debt that cuts both ways. Well, someone said to me, well, I only invest in real estate. And I said, well, why? Well, because real estate always does well. I'm like, no, no, it, no, it actually doesn't. <laughs> and by the way, they said, well, you don't like real estate. And I'm like, no, no, I like real estate, but I like other investments as well. And so it is okay to own real estate, but it shouldn't be all you own. It's okay to own stocks. It shouldn't be all you own. It shouldn't be all you own, right? It's okay to own a lot of different things. Don't fall in love with your investments. Don't put out a hypothesis that this asset class will always do better than that other asset class. By the way, over the long term, most equity asset classes will they'll do fine over the long term. As will real estate. I think the challenge with what I see in some of these um, these smaller investors, it's they. I mean, let's assume somebody's got um, kind of a mediocre job, mediocre wage, mediocre life. Let's say, I mean, and, right? I mean, and they see these opportunities. They see these wealthy people living these large lifestyles and Gucci handbags selling for ten thousand dollars a bag or whatever stupid thing, right? Crazy thing. And like this is their chance, maybe to to participate in some of that. Yes, that's what I think. That's what drives a lot of this. Right? Well, of course, and we could think back a different. The what was the theme four years ago? The Iraqi dinar was okay. <laughs> right. And I, the, the, look, the reason I want to discuss it is not because I'm worried about people investing in apartments today. It's that there's going to be something new, and something like and if you want to take a chance on something. Do just it. make sure you can afford to lose it. It's okay. Just recognize the, the risk. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, take some calls here. 833-99-WORTH gets you on to Allworth's Money Matters. Let's talk with Echo. Echo, you're with uh, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, yeah. I have been listening to your show for years, and I really enjoy it. Thank you. I learned a lot from you guys. I really appreciate you guys, though. So. Well, thank well, you. Thank you. How can we help? Hi. Yeah. So I question um, some questions. We. I want to know how to maximize my investments. Uh, we are doing really well overall financially. Uh, this year, we we about invest about eighty thousand dollars in a four hundred one k four hundred three b other retirement account. But then I was thinking maybe get into more real estate, maybe reduce the my retirement uh, contribution and stack up more cash, maybe get into more real estate. I want to get a kind of idea from you guys, what you guys think and, about. And when you said more real estate, it leads me to believe that you have some already. Yeah, we well, our, our primary home and also we are duplex and both are paid off. Okay. Okay. And how much, how old are you and your spouse? Uh, I am 59. My husband is 48. And how much money do you have in retirement plans? Uh, about 900000 And will either or both of you be receiving a pension when you retire? We both do. Yeah, we both do. So when we retire, I think we both, we don't need to touch the retirement account, basically. And how much money do you have in cash? About 120000 And what kind of, uh, and you own a duplex now. And it's paid for. Yes. And it's paid for. Yes. Yes. And you're and are you thinking of buying another duplex or a rental home or what what kind of real estate? Uh rental. And you want to so you're considering this 
Why? Is this a diversification tool? Do you think that you're going to make more money than on this than you would um, in your other investments? I guess with the inflation, with the uncertainty of the economy, uh, have a real piece of real estate will will help will help with the I guess secure our financial situation. And how big of a – how much money were you looking to spend on? Have you identified a property yet or is this just theoretical at this point in time? With the market now, at this 600000 I think. Okay. And then you'd use some debt? No debt. Where did you get the 600000 Oh, no, no. I'm talking – I mean, oh, sorry. I, I misunderstood you. I, if I feel a real estate that you I get into probably six hundred to seven hundred thousand. Okay, and but and you would use debt. You'd use that hundred and twenty thousand dollars in cash as a down payment, and then uh, finance the rest. No, probably I was I would probably seventy thousand because I won't have fifty thousand in emergency. Okay, either with the duplex or own home, I it feels more secure with a fifty thousand dollars in this emergency fund. So you'll put ten percent down. Something like that. Yeah. And so, I don't know what kind of finance you're going to get. Yeah. So what your question to your question to us is: Is this a, a good idea or not? Yeah. Maybe like if I reduce my uh, investment and then stack up more cash to do it, or but then I'm thinking about my age. You, you know, I don't know if you were really if you're, if you're my sister, you I would say absolutely don't bother with this. And why is that, Scott? To reduce what's going into the 401k. Stock prices are down what, 25 30% from their peak. Real estate prices have barely budged. That's right. The cost of, of money is about double on, on financing. I don't, if you put 10% down, you're not going to... It's going to be terrible. That, so that was that, that, my question. And I think if you go the next decade out, like you've already got a home, you've got a duplex that's paid for. I, my, my, if you're my sister, I'd say, I, I think you'll have a, long, a better return long-term I stick with the strategy here. If she could get a property that is uh, either cash flow positive. That's not what she's talking about. She's talking about reducing her money going into uh, retirement. I, I understand that. If, if she could get a property that is cash flow positive or just break even, as long as you did not reduce your contributions to your right. 401k or 403b, I don't think it would be a bad idea. Recognizing there's, there's risk in there, there's a lot more risk. Um, and which is funny to me because you don't have any debt on your primary residence or your investment real estate now, which tells me that you're probably a little bit risk averse and you're 59 years of age. And now mm-hmm. you're talking about adding significant amount of risk relative to where you are today. Okay. That's th- that's with debt with debt. Well, that's what, yeah, the risk is going to come from the debt or the fact that the tenant is going to sit empty for a period of time. So, I don't know why you would do it. I think that you're actually on a pretty good glide path to retirement. I can't see how this makes your your financial life better the next decade. I'm going to go with you on or that. Or your life in, as a whole better the next decade. I'm going to go with you on that, Scott. I don't understand. It, 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 it seems exactly the opposite of how you're actually um, managing your situation now by adding all if kinds of If home prices have t- were in the tank, we're I not mean, there yet. Maybe well, we will be. Maybe we won't be. I don't know, but- they haven't dropped much, so it's not like it's a great buying opportunity in the in real estate right now. That's right. Yeah, that's why I was thinking if I can stack up more cash, not like buying yeah. right now, but stack more cash in the next three to five years, and hopefully the market. I don't know. Oh well, I don't know how the market will go. Three to five years is a long time. I would not lower your contributions to your four hundred one k and four hundred three b. Would not absolutely not do that. If you want to stack up cash and then buying opportunity comes along, maybe. You know, it depends on where interest rates and how it and how it pencils on any one particular piece of property. But you're adding risk to your portfolio at a time where it doesn't seem like you need to. It, 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 I don't. I, I don't need to. I guess I try to maybe kind of greedy to get more I, out of it. Well, I don't I have. But like, but, but you're that. That's the assumption that that you're going to earn more by doing that than you are in with your what you're currently doing in your 401k and assuming you've got a, a large chunk in equities owning, owning companies it, like nobody knows the future. Right. But if we yeah. look over history, you've, when you own a broad basket of us companies, they've over the long term they, they do six to seven percentage points above that of the rate of inflation, much greater than real estate. Now you can look at some outline. If you owned a house on the beach and whatever, right? that'd be a different story, but like the typical real estate, 
and like it's just I think part of it right now is is the stock market's been in a bit of a funk. You're looking at it like I haven't made any money in my 401k. Maybe I need to look at alternatives. And I always like to remind myself and others. Like, I, I started in this industry in July of 1990, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average at that time was roughly 2,600, 2,600. Today it's roughly 33,000. With that, we went through the financial crisis, the dot-com blow-up, all kinds of other uh, horrible markets. And I think just because we're in a bad market doesn't mean that you should throw in the towel on a long-term investment strategy that's proven very well for many Americans. And the reason real estate can do well over time is because of the leverage of debt. And the higher the cost of the money, the lower the return on the real estate. Um, that's just, I mean, we just talked about these apartment buildings that, that I, yeah. I couldn't understand. I don't, if you were sitting in my office with any one of our advisors, we would say, yeah. what, to what end, what, what are you trying to achieve here? And it seems to me adding more risk, which is what this is significant amount of risk to your life and your lifestyle age 59 and a half when most or 59, and the game's almost done for you. You've got a pension. You've got plenty of money. You've got no debt. I'd leave it alone. Okay. I would let sleeping dogs lie. I don't see how I this is going to make. Yeah. I don't know how this is going to make your lifestyle any better. Okay, that's right. good. Yeah, I don't want to get back into debt. It's just the stress from having debt. It's just. Well, I that's, just so enjoy the peace now without yeah. debt. Imagine what happens. You, you borrow. You know, you're talking about borrowing six hundred thousand dollars, and all of a sudden you get a bad tenant in there, and then you have to evict them, and then you got to replace all the appliances that they stole, and, and you still have to make your monthly. And then you have to pay the payment several thousand a month, and then you've got to rehab it and put more money into it. I, just, yeah, I think actually if you ran the numbers of what it would cost you uh, on financing today, particularly if you only put ten percent down, I don't know what kind of rates you're going to get. You're not in this market. Like, <laughs> interest rates on a on a rental? No, I mean, I don't know, but I can't imagine it being very good. Yeah. So, uh, appreciate the call. Yeah, thanks, Zach. Well, it's interesting, Pat, because um, we were just talking about real estate, and, like, you asked the question, why is it that people are enamored with real estate? Like, what is it about? And I just think it's that they can understand it better, right? So, when you've got you've got a rental, let's say you have a rental house, right, and you've got a tenant in there, and it's 10 minutes from your house, you can drive over and check on your investment, you know it's there. There's the tenant paying the rent. If they don't pay the rent, you can evict that tenant and get a new tenant. It's really easy to understand. And you're not getting a statement once a month telling you what the value of the real estate is. So you have a tendency to believe that it is not fluctuating in price because there is. You'll never know. You never what, think, oh, my gosh, I lost $8,000 on my house today. That's right. <laughs> right. Right. You look at your 401k and think, holy crud, look how much money I lost today. Right. I, I mean, there used to be a, a, this guy that um, that would do this radio show and he talked about real estate and that there was no correlation. And what do you call it? Uncommon. Like It's not tied to anything. Just because it doesn't price doesn't mean that it doesn't move up and down in value. Just because you don't know the price doesn't mean it doesn't move up and down in value. You're just not reminded of it. So real estate has a tendency to look like the safer investment because there's no secondary market for your particular piece of real estate that you're pricing it against. And they all take, it takes, whether you've got a property manager, it all takes time. Like we both have, I spent time on it this week. And um, yes, but there may be, look, there may be some good buying opportunities coming up. We'll see. We'll see. You know, what's perplexing is that, actually, I don't know if it is perplexing, but you hear about these, like California, for example, where we reside, there's a housing shortage. At the same time, there's population decline. Is that just because there's more, which I, I, I mean, I've seen the studies, there are more single person households today than there used to be. So more people are living alone. Uh, I don't know if there's more people have second homes. I, I've never thought about it. We have a housing shortage, housing crisis. At the same time, we have population decline. Yeah, I think it probably has more to do with geography than any anything else. The, the houses, there's probably not a housing shortage. There's a, there's not enough houses in the places where people want to live. But that would, if that's the case, then there would be other areas where there are ghost towns. There are. Okay, <laughs> they're not very big ghost towns, but there are, there are. Yeah. Anyway, I, I mean, real estate's it's 
we're big fans of people owning their primary residence. We're big fans of having that paid off by the time they hit retirement. So they got they don't have to worry about making those mortgage payments. There's always exceptions to those rules, of course. Um, and look, there are times when I think real estate can be a great investment. Usually when you're at retirement age, getting to that age, um, and you're and you're already financially secure, most people don't really want to add on the complexity of something additional like that. Yeah. Or, or most certainly debt. Even on or an investment. Debt. Well, that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. If that last caller said she had $500,000 in cash, would it be like, go for it. Probably probably would have changed the Of course. We would have 100%. It would have been yes. cash flow positive day one. That's right. But anyway, we're taking a quick break. Stick around for more All Worth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of All Worth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to All Worth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McLean. Thanks for sticking with us. Let's go to the calls here. Talking with Dave in Ohio. Dave, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hey, guys. How are you? Wonderful. How are you doing, Dave? Good. So, hey, I've got a Social Security question. All righty. I am uh, 65 years old. Uh, my FRA is January of 2024. Um I plan on retiring probably around this time next year. My check the box is uh, make it to my FRA um, to qualify for full re- my full retirement age. For full re- other full retirement age, right? Right. So my question is, when do I take Social Security? Um, I've I've talked to a number of different people on this. At one point, I was leaning towards just waiting until um, I'm 70 to get that nominal 8% increase every year. But my wife is 66. She's worked only part-time. She waited to her FRA and, and gets roughly like a thousand bucks a month now. Um, so when I crunch some numbers, um, it seems like my break even on this thing, because she'll get half of mine when I get my FRA. When did I she wait until her, did she start hers at her full retirement age or she started early? Yes, sir. Okay. Nope. She started her full retirement age. Um, so I'm just, you know, my break even, I think is somewhere around 82 or 83 years old. So um, talking to one of my tax guys, he says, you know what? He said, I, he says, I'm taking mine as soon as I hit my FRA. I think I'm going to be I want the money. I'm going to take it and run. Then that way I don't have to worry about if Congress tweaks Social Security in any way. You know, we, we all don't think it's going to go away. It might be adjusted, what have you. But um, so I'm kind of leaning right now that uh, I don't really need the money. I mean, my net worth's about $4 million. My house is paid for. I don't have any debt. How much will your um, income be in retirement without this Social Security? How much will my income be without Social Security hmm, when you retire? You have a pension? I don't. I don't have a pension. I have. I just have the really uh, a four hundred one k. I have investments. Almost. Uh, almost a hundred percent of my worth is in the stock market, stocks or bonds. Okay. Um, so I'm guessing with dividends. You know, I'll just throw out a number: um, thirty or forty thousand. Okay. And how, what, and how much is in your 401k IRA's retirement plans? Thank you, Scott. Um, 3.9 million. Okay. All right. So it's so, almost all. All right. So here's a couple things that, uh, that you should consider. One is if your income is only going to be 30 or $40,000 a year in retirement, and you can live on that until, until, um, required minimum distributions, until required minimum distributions, you want to start a Roth and you said you've had conversations with your tax advisor. I, I assume that the tax advisor had said that you should be looking at Roth conversions the minute you retire. So I do have some money of that, of that 3.9. There's probably, I don't know, maybe I'll say a hundred thousand of it is in a Roth it's the minimum. Uh, I mean, so yeah, yeah, it's minimal. Here's so it's here's what I find. Dave, Dave, so you you've asked people for opinions, right? Your tax guy gave you an opinion and calling a radio show. We're getting our gonna get our opinion. But there's there are software programs designed to run a variety of scenarios where you can run different scenarios. And the thing that that the reason we asked how much you have in your four hundred one k, I was it's not really a ticking time bomb because it's it's not a bad outcome, but it's that. 
that four million, roughly four million dollars in retirement accounts, when that retired minimum distribution kicks in, you're going to be looking at 150, 200,000. I mean, if you don't take any distributions between now, the growth on that, you might be two hundred thousand dollars in required minimum distributions from that. And so, okay, you're, you guys are right, and I, I apologize. I told you the wrong information. I my my I rolled over an IRA, so I really have. I'll say, I've got. One that I rolled over that I got about 1.4. My current one's got about five. So really only $2 million is okay. in. Still, uh, still there, an issue. There's a million five in a, in a brokerage account. Okay. But you're right. I mean, you're right. There's, there's $2 million for sure. Yeah, it's still, still an issue. Still an issue. Look, if, and if, if you enjoy managing the funds yourself and you're just like, I don't really want to go talk to an advisor, hire an advisor just on a fee basis to run the, run the different calculations. They take into, it'll take into all the various tax brackets. Um, and because you, 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 you can run a variety of different what if scenarios. Yeah. Which, That's what I would do. Which actually, so the way we, I mean, the way we do it, we actually have social security planning software and, and, and we use that in addition to financial planning software. We actually run multiple scenarios to show what happens if you're living off social security and not taking distributions from your IRA, or if you're taking distributions from your IRA and not taking Social Security or a combination of the two. And what you do is you look out 10 years and you don't worry about the break even on the Social Security. You worry about the net worth, your overall net worth in a 10-year period. And that's the indicator as to when you should actually start taking distributions from that's the That's one indicator. A indicator, yeah. <laughs> right? So if you have a normal life expectancy, um, I got to tell you, I would I I would go with your accountant and probably take it sooner rather than later. But you would run the numbers before I you, certainly would run yeah. the numbers. <laughs> I would run the numbers. The higher the net worth the, the the more inclined you should be to take it because it, there is going to be a change in social security. That there, there's no question. And who are they going to take that benefit from? We don't know that, but we know though we know there'll be a reduction. That's that's right. It's already in the law. Yeah. So anyway, um, so there will be a reduction for people that are. No, are no, no. There's currently, a, currently the way the way it's structured currently. When the Social Security Trust Fund runs out, they'll have to do a a, a reduction across the board reduction. That's how it's, which is scheduled to be about twenty three percent right now across the board. So Congress, if Congress does nothing by twenty thirty three or twenty thirty two or twenty three thirty four, it's going to be there will be a reduction. We believe Congress is going to step in and do something. They're not going to take money away from um, poor people. Who are they going to? Who's, whose benefit are they going to touch? Someone that has a lot of money, like you, Dave, yeah. or someone that has nothing and, and relies on that for a hundred percent of their income. Yeah. But we've we've discussed this yes, many many, so. many times. Yeah. Anyway, appreciate the appreciate the call, Dave. And again, if I were in your situation, I would um, I would pay for someone to actually run the numbers um, who's competent and can. Help you out there. Let's uh, talk with Ruth in California. Ruth, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pat. Thank Hi, you Ruth. for taking my call. Thank you. Uh, my husband and I are both retired, and this year we are kind of struggling with trying to figure out how much to prepay in taxes. Um, since you don't have an employer withholding taxes, we know how to get the money to them because we have he has a small pension and Social Security you can have taxes withheld from that. You do or do not have taxes withheld? Say that again? You have taxes or do not have taxes withheld? We do. We have, so we actually retired and started Social Security last year, but we had a huge income because we sold a rental last year. Last year, we way overpaid taxes and got a huge refund back, but now we don't have any extraordinary income, just Social Security and some pension and investment income. It's kind of trying to figure out how much to prepay so that we are not getting hit with penalties and interest uh, when we're filing the taxes for next year. Who did your tax I, return last year? We actually used TurboTax. I know that that's not oh. as good as a CPA. I am actually retired, did bookkeeping most of my life, so I understand taxes a lot, but I could not find any website that I could actually plug numbers Here, like, in. Here's, here's going to get you pretty dang close. Go okay. to the TurboTax and enter, even if it's 2022 taxes, maybe they haven't updated yet. It's going to be close enough. Go in and enter what your income is going to be for the year. Pretend like it's the full like it's year. A, just like it's a brand new tax return. 
and you're That's actually correct. running what's called a pro forma hypothetical and you just plug in, this is my income, this is pension, this is social security, this is the distributions from IRAs and it will give you a number at the end. Okay. And then well, work it back sense. and then that'll tell you how much you should have withheld from your pension or social security. Because when I was going around in circles, like the IRS website wasn't super clear on what I You're going to get within 95% going this route? Just last, uh, just use last year's um, you and know, if turbo I tax. were in a situation, I would I would figure out like what whatever I'm going to owe, and I'd say, all right, between the next, last six months of this year, what how much should I have withheld from my Social Security and my pension, so I don't have to worry about paying quarterly taxes. And then next year, you do the same thing. So next year will be a little easier because again, this year is going to set precedent for next year. That's right. Um, um, okay, I that's appreciate right. that. And that's, I know that with um, investment income, it's not always predictable. I can go on uh, the website is Schwab that we have our stuff, and it tells you how much they expect it to be. So since that part of it is unpredictable, do we just way overpay, or do we do quarterly estimated no. payments based on what they actually paid us? How much do you have in your investment account that's not tied to retirement accounts that that's triggering a taxable distribution to you? Uh, well, I can tell you what it says. The estimated investment income for this year is twenty nine thousand in taxable accounts. Okay, because uh, I just I just looked that up. And and the and the uh, what's the account balance? Uh, somewhere around a million. I believe so. Okay. I Sounds. didn't just look at that up. I, I looked up the investment income because I can yeah. uh, understand that. that understand that. So I'd be comfortable using that as a and, and as a placeholder yeah. and paying. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't pay quarterlies. I yeah, just went over withhold. No. Why? Because how how large is, are your pensions and Social Security? The pensions are small. It's uh, about fourteen, just over fourteen thousand. Social Security is just about thirty one thousand. My husband is older than I am. He did a file and suspend, so he turned 70 in December and he'll refile. So next year, his social security will be a little bit higher. And, but. and that $29,000 of, of dividends and interest that are being taxable to you, are you taking any of that or is it just reinvested in your account? Right now, it's just being reinvested because okay. we're just living off of some cash that we set aside to get us through. I would, I would, I would not ha I would not have the things reinvested back in the same positions because just from a tax standpoint, whenever you go to sell something, it can be more complicated, yeah. particularly at this point. And, and you're probably like, so if you have those, that, that money dropping into your checking account to spend, then I could, I'd say have just increase your withholdings. But if it's just accumulating in that account, there's no sense taking a reduction of, I don't know you well enough to know, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, and the reason it's kind of, I, quarterlies is kind of a hassle. And if you can just over withhold, if you withhold from the pension, it, we're all going to end up at the same place. Right. Well, it depends. If Ruth and her husband have say, we better not go out to eat this week because our retirement income's not that much because we had more dollars withheld, so our brokerage account can keep compounding on itself. Then I would say, don't they pay the quarterlies as opposed to. All right. So what you're trying to do is describe um, human behavior where I'm believing everything is rational. Correct. <laughs> I'm a more rational person, you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Scott. Just to have the money throw into your cash and pay quarterlies or withhold. It doesn't much matter. And people freak out matter. on their taxes way too much about whether they get have to write a check at the end of the year. I, I, well, no one wants a I'm negative not, surprise. I'm not so worried about the check at the end of the year. I just don't want to have penalties and interest. It's, it's not. And even the interest isn't that much. I mean, it's. So anyway, uh, but just th th that's how you figure it out. I have to say, in general, I think most people will be surprised when they hit retirement age and they don't realize that, hey, uh, taxes are not automatically withheld from any pensions or Social Security and that you have to actually you know, set that up yourself and think ahead. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but they can be withheld, Ruth. <laughs> so, like, clients who work with us, um, we, this is one of the – we factor that in from day – it's part of the retirement plan process, but even then – most people want, they go into retirement, appreciate the call, Ruth. They go into retirement and they're like, how much, how much money do I have to spend on a monthly basis? That's what most people really care about, right? And so you tend to kind of work backwards into that and assuming there's enough assets there, you have a, a, some amount of, of, of money distributed from accounts and transferred to checking accounts each month. And if there's taxes due, then we, there's 
uh, taxes yeah. withheld. Yeah, I explained the coins. Look, every time we cut, so like in this situation here, we like with with Ruth, we would probably say, let's well, let's have some if your account generates. $30,000 a year in interest. Why don't we take a couple thousand of it and have it go to your checking account? That's right. Why then we'll we? increase the withholdings from your on your pension or Social Security. As long as you're spending the money. As long as you're maintaining your lifestyle. That's your point, right? As long as you maintain the lifestyle. And most, that's that's how most people want their retirement income to be, though. They want, the, they want cash into their account on a monthly basis, right? So they can pay their bills and all, whatever. Um and they don't want to have to worry about paying quarterly taxes. And most of the time, you can structure it that way. Sometimes you still have to pay quarterlies depending on things. But, um, Or sometimes people say, I just remember years ago, Pat, my, my wife worked at Intel before we had kids and had our business going and I'd pay quarterlies. And, I, and she had a relatively entry-level job out of college. And, and um, I went to her and I said, hey, babe. I said, instead of paying quarterlies, we can just have like half your paycheck. <laughs> go and pay taxes. We'd only been married a year or two, right? And she, that didn't go over so well. That, oh, uh, well, we we didn't pay quarterlies when my wife was working, and uh, we had she had no basically no paycheck. All of her money went to pay taxes. But the difference probably between your wife and my wife is my wife is an accountant. Yeah, <laughs> so she understood at the end of the day. It, my th wife did have a degree in finance. I she just didn't like the concept of, of not, working and not having a paycheck. I get that. <laughs> so, <laughs> to, rational or not, it, <laughs> it, I mean, if you, if, and it's funny, Pat, you, you look at, there's behavioral economists. Um, like, we can't take out our human nature from all of our planning. And I think one of the reasons we enjoy taking calls on this program and we encourage people to, to be part of the program is because, we all we all get a we all get a get a bit of a window into other people's psyche, and, and it's not only how how they've done with their finances and what they're current doing, but it's how they're thinking about it and, and how they've structured their lives in such a way. Well, a good investor actually has a um, a good investor has a view of their own psyche and what their biases are in terms of how they uh, invest in oh, money. Yeah, a good investor actually. I have they biases. They know the strengths and weaknesses. Oh, I absolutely have biases. Um, and so what happens is you, when you're making investments, you actually have to, you know, be aware of those biases and have a tendency to say, you know, my biases might lead me in this direction. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, go to Iowa. Talk with Dave. Dave, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Oh, great. Thanks uh, for taking my call, guys. I've Thank got, you. Uh, I've got like three podcasts. That I that are my go tos and you guys are my go to for finance. I really enjoy your oh, show. Oh, wow, thank you. Probably listen for a couple of years. So anyway, um, appreciate that. I guess my question is really going to kind of center around. Um, I, I guess am I investing correctly with my short term money? So let me let me kind of give you a background about what's going on though. First, I'm sixty. My wife is fifty nine, and we're retired. Um, no debt. Um, and I've got, we got money in a few different places Our, I guess our tax advantage accounts, I've got the, the 401k and the Roth 401k. We've got about 1.9 million in that guy in the Roths, about 300,000. All of that is really aggressively invested like 90, 95% equities, mostly index funds, that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's invested so aggressively because we don't plan on pulling that thing out until we have to, which yep. is yep. Okay. You know, 12, 13 years. So that's kind of, and even then is. it's just a little amount you're going to take. It's not like you're going to spend it all. Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, and then the second piece is our, our brokerage account, which is, we got about $2 million in that. Now the tricky part there is I, I, I kind of run a bucket, kind of a bucket uh, portfolio. I got my, my aggressive money and then I've got our more short-term money. Um, our short-term money, there's, there's quite a bit in there though. Um, and mostly because we're 60 and we're not going to be drawn social security or we don't plan on doing it until full retirement age. But I know you guys have uh, thoughts on that. Uh, but anyway, so that's still seven years away. And I sleep pretty well at night knowing that I don't have to worry about money, uh, you know, g going up or down in that bucket for the next, you know, several years. How much Most money is, think I, how much money is in uh, that $2 million in the brokerage? How much money is in short term? Um, in short term, it's, uh, 
700,000, but I've got it broken down in three places and uh, I got CDs and they're, they're running about three and a half to 5%. Um, and then I've got a hundred, that's 350,000. We've got 180 in our money market and that's, that's infidelity. And that's right now that's bringing in about 4.9%. I know, I know that that can change. Um, mm-hmm. And then the third bucket is just cash and there's 125 in there, but there, you, the only reason it's that high is I just uh, had a, a CD mature about a month ago, and I I just been kind of waiting until this phone call to to talk to you guys about that. But I normally don't keep that much money okay. cash. And what do you spend a year? We spend on the high side about sixty thousand. We we can spend we can pay all of our bills for under fifty, and then then we'll take a couple trips, and you know if we have some unexpected things come up. So expenses aren't very high. I'm guessing you're you you're, you don't buy your wife the latest Gucci handbag at Christmas time for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> no, I, I just read an article this week about how much people spend on handbags, and I find that stuff just bizarre to me. <laughs> well, no, we're more the other way. It's like she'll say, "Oh, I just bought a purse for fifty bucks." Okay. She'll like justify it to me. So we're, we're definitely not that guy. <laughs> in, in, are there any other assets outside of this? And you own your own primary residence. Any other assets outside of what this you just went through? So we right now is the way you described it. You've got $4.2 million of investable assets, of which a large percentage of it is, uh, is equities. Uh, it doesn't sound like you have much medium-term bond or anything like that. It's either long or short, right? We're either in equities exactly. or we're yeah. in cash. And do you have um, do you have children? Um, they're both grown. Okay. They're uh, yeah, they're off the payroll. What? What's your main question? Yeah. What's the question for us? Well, my main question is I'm looking at this this bucket one, and I see these CDs earning three and a half to five percent, and I'm thinking. Gosh, is that a bad place to put it? I mean, if, where would I put it short term to get more than that? I know, I know that can change next year, but it doesn't seem like I'm being overly conservative by just keeping that bucket one with that much money in it. Um, and and they're in that kind of. Thing. Well, here's how. I mean, here's how I like. You spend sixty thousand a year. You have seven hundred thousand in cash. Right? So, <laughs> I mean, even if you didn't touch anything else and had everything else reinvest, like you've got more than a decade before you have to look. So even though you've got a lot in equities, if like if you still you just said you sleep good at night, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, look! Over the next twenty years, that will serve you very well. You know what's wrong with your portfolio, Dave? I don't. I don't spend enough money. Thank you. (laughs) Well, um, I was going to broach it a different way. Like one thing, I think it's not how you have the dollars allocated. It's I think you. What might be helpful for you and your, your your wife is to is to look at what do you want these dollars to do, like what mm-hmm. is what's the objective? Because you you can't take them with you, right? So we're all going to die. You're relatively young still, so you have a lot of time ahead of you. But you've already know that you've accumulated more than you're going to ever spend in your lifetime. You can just continue to to build your net worth and and you know be worth you know twenty million. <laughs> Whatever. It's not going to matter. 20 million and you yeah. leave it to the local something or another. Or the kids or wherever. Or all to the kids. Or you could yeah. say, let's invest, let's help the kids a little now on some things. Or you can say, you know, we're really passionate about this particular cause or that cause. And maybe have a few dollars go to those causes. You can do any of those things. You, you've, you have the luxury uh, because you've saved well and, mm-hmm. and, and you live below your means and you're not... I would encourage spending money. I would encourage you um, to actually spend significantly, like uh, half half as much as more as you're spending now. But that might not make them. That might not bring them joy or peace. Scott, I'm not. I I said encourage. I didn't say. I I I don't think it. Of course, it may not bring them peace, right? But Mm -hmm. every journey starts somewhere. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it, uh, most of this is going to end up going to the kids eventually. And part of me is like, you know, that I want them one day to say, hey, we got a bunch of money here. But at the same time, I, I kind of want to get the money to them, you know, as they're young adults so they can enjoy it. And I not, think that's brilliant, up personally. Uh, yeah, I just think I don't want them to be 50 thinking, what the heck were they doing when I was 30, you know, <laughs> with this money? So. That's kind of where I'm at on 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 a big piece of it, but I, you know, we we do want to kind of step up the travel a little bit, or Perfect. you know, maybe 
maybe upgrade uh, the like into a, a different house one day, or, or you just move. Perfect. So, perfect. Perfect. Um, You've put yourself in. You, like, did you inherit any of this, or was this all just saved? This saved. I knew you. I knew that. So, you but you're there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with your portfolio allocation of what your original question was. There's nothing wrong okay. with it. I'm sixty. I am sixty, and I have a hundred percent of my four hundred one k is equities. Hundred percent. Okay. I'm 56, 100% of mine's in equity. And I can't ever my imagine. Roth, my 401k, my IRAs. I can't ever imagine a time in my life where it won't be exactly that. Okay. Because okay. Well, that's kind of where I'm feeling. I'm yeah. comfortable with it. I've got enough cash set aside that if I need to get it income, I can get it income. There's nothing wrong. You know, the portfolios are built for you. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, you're not. You're not using any leverage. You you know you're fine. You've you've been a long term investor. You understand the market. We don't believe that you're going to react negatively to a thirty percent downturn in the market. You're going to stay yeah, through, I mean, live through it, living through it now. Yeah, you, yeah. Okay. So I think it's perfect. Okay. I, yeah. I try to I, I try to look at these I look at these things as uncomplicated as possible. Or <laughs> I know, I know a lot of people that don't and they're still working. You know. So yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. You know. It's just. Well, it, it like, just seems, it yeah, seems like you have people an, overcomplicate it sometimes. I would 100% agree with you that. And particularly as people, their net worth grows and they think just because they have more money, they need to have a more sophisticated portfolio, so, mm-hmm. which is not the case. And your short term money's fine too. Okay. And that was my thing. I'm just looking at that thinking, you know. Well, the only I, reason you have I, CDs yielding three and a half is because you've owned them for a while. If you had investing cash today, yeah. you can get a little better rate on them. Yeah. Your, your cash just, portion of your portfolio is fine. Okay. Okay. Because what I what I what I kind of do is, um, I go from CDs and then I would push them into the money market and then push that into the cash and then push that into the checking account. So Perfect. the CDs are kind of kind of yeah. long long. So okay. Perfect. So I may Perfect. just go ahead and put another buy another ladder another CD then if I can get it over five percent. That's it. right. Okay. I just it just seems like CDs are people think they're too safe but right now i'm looking at it thinking gosh it's a, it's why not? a percentage of your portfolio i think it makes some sense for yeah. you yeah there's nothing wrong yeah. with it at all you're comfortable with it and i think it served you well and obviously you've done a great job saving and you're a great investor as you said the portfolio is designed for the investor that's our we're out of time it's been great being with you hey if you enjoyed this forward this on to a friend and say hey check these guys out we'd appreciate that uh we'll see you next week this has been all worth money matters This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.